0: Good morning, or good evening, if you're really waiting a long time to listen to the show, uh, this is the EFM Formula 1 podcast, thanks to KO, Trevor Long with you, joined by Connor McNally and Harry Tucker. Boys, good morning, it is uh, almost 1am, lovely to be with you, Connor.
1: Yes, you too, Harry, and uh, Trevor. Oh, Harry, was... you awake, mate?
2: Yeah, I am, I was just waiting for my cue. Oh, just, <laughs> you, you, you... I was just
1: worried. Was you
2: specifically worried. called out Connor, and then you know I was waiting for the the Harry reference, but since it didn't come, I I just sat quiet. There's no you know there's no teams button there to raise your hand to speak. It was so. always going uh, to be Harry. Is.
0: Are you awake? That was that was always going to be the cue. Because, we always
1: worry about you, Harry. We always uh, do. One time. You Specifically after races time. like
0: this. But let's not spoil the, um, the concept of the race at this point. Harry, let, let's let's lead with you first. Um, and I think I know the answer to this question. <laughs> but oh. what would you do if you uh, awoke to this podcast and the Dutch Grand Prix sitting there ready for you on, on KO as a, as a mini or as a highlight or as a full race? What are you what are you recommending people watch?
2: I guess it depends if you're one of two people. If you if your favorite part <laughs> of Formula One is purely tire strategy, then, then I say go for it, watch the race. If if you like watching wheel to reel fun motor racing, then I say don't even bother watching the highlights.
1: Wow, Connor? Yeah, don't bother watching, just watch the highlights. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to agree. Uh highlights. You, you, the you guys got go. highlights. Yeah, oh, I think
0: I think it's important. As listen, let, let's be clear. You've gone to the trouble of subscribing to a Formula One podcast.
2: You probably have some
0: <laughs> vague interest in the sport and and the, the
2: machinations of of strategy. Well, so, then do we just get rid of that option? Then is it just <laughs> is it just highlights or the race? Um, that's
1: well, given given that I took one for the team last week in that fast <laughs> race that we talked about, yeah, um, yeah I think this one just. Just go and watch the highlights. Do you reckon
0: Harry? I think Connor's going to use that against us for some time. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, I will be. There's still what
2: another ten races left in the season oh. or something. Imagine,
0: imagine Connor and Ted Kravitz talking about Spa. It, it'd oh. be it'd be quite a conversation, given Ted clearly thinks it was a G up and shouldn't be called a race. But um, they tried to summon him to. A, I think it was it tonight or, or last night that they showed a you know Ted's analysis of Spa and. They obviously told him to be fair and balanced because he, he tried really hard to bag it, but he basically said, oh, it might be a race technically, but it shouldn't be. Anyway, um, uh, thanks very much to the good people at KO. You can you can watch that uh, that as a mini or you can watch the whole race again because that's the way KO works. It's all there for you to watch when you want, how you want, where you want and whatever device you choose. Uh, and like us, you can watch every practice, every qualifying, and every race live on KO. And if you haven't tried KO, get it in and give it a go because you can watch the uh, the practice sessions as freebies. You don't even need a paid subscription. Boys, race overall. Then we'll, uh, we'll talk about the teams, the drivers, and the championships. I mean, there's no doubt that the three of us, and I think everyone, I mean, you know, one of the commentators tonight talked about, you know, I think it was Crofty said that he thought that Bert Mylander would be the driver of the day before <laughs> the race. We all thought there was going to be carnage, Harry.
2: Look, it, to be honest, my my least favorite part of that is it screwed up all my bets. It was Everything. all based on they're going to be carnage, and I was going for a few roughies there, um, but none of them paid out. But it was yeah, even that first lap, we thought there was going to be carnage going into the first corner. Nothing, even through the next couple of corners, there nothing. Um, there was a few cars that seemed out of place, like Giovanniazzi that potentially could have caused carnage as other cars tried to get past but again everyone passed clean and then it was processional from here on in pretty much.
0: And Connor where did you think the carnage would be? Did you
1: think turn one, turn three or somewhere else? Uh, I think there would have been quite a few places definitely turn one and turn three especially the the banking on turn three we actually saw there was carnage at the end of the F3 feature race tonight when Davis Schumacher got punted out and I thought well okay this could be you know, the forerunner to what we were going to see in tonight's race quite clearly did not happen whatsoever. And, yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed. I, I was expecting, like, tyre blowouts on the banking of the final corner, mm. which looked really, yeah. really cool, but nothing of that eventuated.
0: Yeah, there was a moment where uh, Jensen during the race says, oh, you know, we, we, we don't want to see cars crash. And I'm like, yeah, we do. I, mean, yeah, I, was a kid. I, I don't want to break it to you, Jensen. Uh, and I know it's your career and everything, but ever since I was a kid, <laughs> I've been watching for the crashes. I, um, yeah, it, sure. We love is, passing yeah. and strategy and all those things. But unfortunately for um, motorsport, you know, professionals, crashes is a big part of it. And, you know, in this race, at this track, for the first time here in 30-odd years, it was it was definitely all on. And, and I just, I, I expected turn three, that um, Nürburgring style banked little hairpin um, to be a great, scene of just some bumping some barging and it was an epic like there'll be some beautiful photos come from this because they were three wide coming out of there it looked amazing but in the end harry what we got was a procession where there was barely any passing that wasn't because of tyre strategy there was just a lot of following
2: i think we were saying to you guys uh on the WhatsApps before this, but I think we we all got fooled by I guess like the visual beauty of the track, yeah, with all the really cool banking and on the water there, and just the nuts Dutch fans just lighting flares that apparently weren't meant to be brought in, but no. clearly, there was no frisking going on uh, at the <laughs> gates um but yeah, then it was left there in a track that was essentially you know budget Monaco in the sense of that unless there was a significant like a really significant pace difference, I think. I think I heard Crofty or Ted say it was 2.1 seconds. You had to be faster than the car in front to overtake, and that's just you know that's it's ridiculous. It, it basically only means that unless you're Sergio Perez in the fastest car in the on the race, you're pretty much the only person who who can overtake people.
0: And here's so the then- problem for, for the sport of Formula One, corner. and that mm. is that every executive, every team principal, every person, every media uh, person, even Jensen at the end of the race, said, I wish we were out there. They are all going to be caught up in the memory and the hype of the Zandvoort Grand Prix circuit being an epic atmosphere. Um, uh-uh. Because clearly this is an amazing thing. 100,000 people there just cheer on one bloke. It's awesome. Like, I have great respect for that concept. But it doesn't make for great racing. And I don't know how you fix that in in the space of a year, other than to hope that the 2022 cars actually do deliver on that promise
1: yeah exactly right I I think you you took the words out of my mouth then I think they're all expecting that the new regulations that are coming in next year are going to deliver that wheel-to-wheel racing and the banging and the barging that everyone has been crying out for for a while and we have as well in this podcast in the last 18 months I was just like I'm ready to go I'm excited and I was hoping for something good to come out of it tonight and I was just like No, here we go again I no, mean, it I was mean, a
0: remarkably clean start, Harry. I mean, yeah. in in for, to be honest, you go at some of the onboards and there was actually a bit of touching. There was some wheel-to-wheel. I think there might have been a wing-to-wheel. Uh, uh, yeah, Giovinazzi. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but, Harry, I actually, you know, great respect. I think if you looked at all those onboards, there was some really solid driving. I think Alonso, Alonso wins yeah, the opening lap,
2: though, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's just... Going around the outside of everyone, and just it was just that veteran confidence of uh, just the, knowing the feel in the car, going around the outside, and just having that confidence in yourself that you can you can take that out of line and carry the speed through, which I think a few of those others in front of him did not have.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I, 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 go
1: I was going I to say that uh, I think he has a slight unfair advantage as well, we, particularly on those bank corners. He's raced on ovals before where they do have the banking. So he had that slight unfair advantage that he was able to have a bit more confidence going around the outside on those bank corners because he just had the ability to just do it and without any fear whatsoever.
0: Yeah. And I I look, I I love the bank corner. I think we all agree. The bank Hmm. corners looked amazing. They certainly provided some brilliant Instagram and TikTok uh, content for all the teams, uh, with Aston Martin rolling a car down. I think Daniel rolled a buddy Dutch Waffle down. I mean, it, it was good content, but unfortunately, it wasn't good racing, and I think that's the disappointing thing. And I think it was very clear early on for me, you know, I made the note that it's just hard to pass. Even Sergio Perez, who started from the pit lane, um, struggled to get past the Haas. Yeah, he's um, behind Mazepin mm. for ages. You know, and that that's... That's outrageous. You know, uh, the fact that a Red Bull um, with its speed, aerodynamics and, and driver um, was unable, well, took too long in, in respect of what we, what we would normally anticipate. Too long to pass those cars is, is a very bad sign for a circuit like this. And I think then when we looked at people like Alonso, Ocon, Ricardo, they were all essentially, you know, a two and a half second space. It, 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 Harry, it was was really this gapped procession that was only changed by tyre strategy at any point during the race.
2: And even then with the tyre strategy, it was sort of, I think, outside of the top three, it kind of only felt like Lando was the only one to to really benefit from some kind of tyre strategy. Everyone else either kind of stayed the same or if you were Daniel, you, you kind of got the short end of the straw there a little bit. So even then, like that it wasn't as much of a difference as it could have been.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of the, the big winners of the day, uh, you know, I think Alonso deserves credit for his drive. He, you know, he, Mm. he put it in front of signs. There's no doubt Norris was the best, um, I guess result overall. And and that was purely strategy because they pushed him so far into the race. Um,
1: but, well, I think, well, Lander had nothing to lose really because he yeah. started 13th on the grid. So, off, and for the first time this season, he failed to make it into Q3. So, Lander had to really go for it. So, went for broke. But I think it was more of the expense for Daniel because in the early stages, like in the opening couple of laps, and it was interesting to listen to George Russell on the radio, Daniel was starting to emit quite a bit of smoke on the in those opening laps. And we thought, mm. oh, this is not looking good for mm. Daniel. He might be in early retirement. Well, or so... they made
2: him turn the cha- I don't know if you turn the engine down or what the settings were, but the radio calls were for him to, you know, press what did Crofty say, control alt delete or whatever yeah. on the steering. How does any that? software change
0: affect an oil? A smoke? leak? Yeah. I mean,
2: come on. Is uh, there just like is there a button there that's like I cover think they oil knew, leaks? I
0: think they knew from the formation lap because there were signs of it on the formation lap. Mm. They showed a, a, a repro. Um, they knew that it was, you know, just some sort of residual um, stuff. It wasn't an actual leak. It was just stuff flowing off and, you know, hitting the hot exhaust and, and smoking off. I, I, I don't think it was ever an issue for them. And I think those driver settings and things that they were going through were almost potentially unrelated to that other than mm. perhaps, you know, precautionary
1: diagnostic tools. Um, In the end, in the end, it wasn't really a good race for McLaren because even though they did score a point, uh, yeah, Daniel didn't score any points at all. So that would knock his confidence just a little bit more, even though he qualified into Q3 last night, but only got as far as 10th place. So, yeah, just not the best race for Daniel tonight.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about the teams. And I think that, um, and, and thinking about what you could watch on KO, it actually isn't, what I think fascinating about this, and we'll talk about the teams and drivers now is if you were to watch this race back in full, and, you know, please do it at a time when you are fully awake because I definitely nodded <laughs> off with five laps to go. Um, if you were to watch the race, you know what the best way to watch this race is actually just look at the left-hand side of the screen uh, and not actually what, what mm. the cameras are on because the cameras today rarely showed Pierre Gasly. After, after mm. the first few laps, they rarely showed Alpine. Um, and they, they didn't really um, show Norris, although the Sky commentators were in raptures about his position, not, not realising that he hadn't pitted. But Harry, if you look at the teams, you know, a great result for Alpha Tauri in fourth.
2: Oh, you mean Red Bull's number two driver? Yeah. The, the right heir <laughs> to the throne. But he, Gasly's just phenomenal. Like he, I would love to see him again in, in a one Bull. of those yeah in a Red Bull mm. in in a Mercedes. I mean that's obviously not gonna happen, but just in a car like that and just really seeing his potential because he's just dry, like out driving that car ridiculously. Unless of course Sonoda is just awful as well. Well that, I um, mean
0: that that's the that's the key here and it's a hard thing isn't it to, to really understand that Sonoda retired, but he was never within QE oh. of a points finish. He was back in fifteenth, sixteenth before he retired. And Connor, I think that's um, that's the way Pierre should be judged. In the same way that essentially um, Perez is being judged in in reverse, is you know you've got to show yourself against your teammate, and Pierre is just smashing it.
1: No, oh, he's smashing it hand over fist at the moment, and he's definitely consolidated his authority at Alpha Tauri without a question. And I and I think that has led you know his confidence has built since he won the Italian Grand Prix last year. He's just become a better driver, probably the best of the rest in terms of the field at the moment. And that's why he's getting consistent with his results and showing to the rest of the field that he's not a pushover. He is a very, very competent driver, hence why he's doing so well in the championship as well, as well as alfatari So yeah. credit to credit of Gasly tonight, did very well. I should point out that of the field, everyone up to third, was a lap down. So the mm. top three were on the yeah. same lap. It's just yeah. scary. Absolutely that's scary. That's the challenge you've
0: got. I mean, remember, Max Verstappen had a 1.7 second lead after the first lap, mm. um, which in a in a race where there was no incident on the first lap is not a good sign for, for, for anything. You know, it was basically from that moment on, we knew we were in for something perhaps not as engaging or as exciting as you might want. Um, Team-wise, you know, it's still a very solid result, though, for... Um, Ferrari and Alpine, Harry, because they mm. they sat together, um, yeah. and they are they are in those
2: points. Yeah, they kind of just stuck in those positions there in the middle of the top ten, and and didn't really move. Um, I think Ocon was ahead of Alonso for a while at the start there before Alonso got the jump, and then obviously right at the end there he took signs as well. But consistent from them, I think Ferrari. I was actually even a tiny bit disappointed with just going off their pace in practice. I thought. True. I thought that Leclerc mm. could potentially, you know, maybe stolen the third place on the podium. Um, You'd be filthy if that... you were
0: a, sp- a Ferrari sponsor or an Alpha Terry. well, if Alpha is themselves, but like they literally got no airtime. Oh, yeah. Do you remember seeing much Ferrari action? Not much at all. I don't.
2: I actually cannot even think of one shot of Ferrari. No.
1: I mean, it, was like a, it was like a blink-and-you-miss moment, basically, for Ferrari tonight. They would not be happy that they got very little airtime as a result of
0: it. And it's fascinating. Connor, you work in, in TV. You, you know, mm. you think about how you choose what to show. Now, this is FOM. This is the Formula One deciding the shots. It's not Sky, although Sky clearly have a, a dominance, and I'm sure the FOM uh, directors listen in on, on Crofty more than they do most else, but... You know, it's it's fascinating to me that they don't take moments like this, races like this, to actually essentially dictate, because they, they have the ability to dictate what, what commentators talk about by simply showing it on the screen.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, and, and they failed to do that for, you know, certainly Ferrari and I think Alpine missed out and Pierre Gasly. Are,
1: it's, it's a massive oversight from a TV perspective. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, I think we saw more tonight from Haas, at the tail of the field, and a bit of Alfa Romeo, and a little bit of Williams. Maybe not that much in terms of Williams tonight. We might be heard from George on the radio once or twice, and seen Latifi pass uh, Mazepin at, at one particular instance earlier in the in the race. But I think that passing
2: was, was the key there. Yeah. I think those teams just because they got lapped three hundred times throughout the race, yeah. they just happened to be in shot. But yeah.
1: like I said, like I said, Haas probably got a little bit more airtime than Ferrari themselves got airtime tonight. That's yeah. that's just the the bizarre thing of it all. You'd, you'd expect that Haas, being at the tail of the field, would get you know bits and pieces here and there, but little else. But they probably got a little bit more airtime than what they expected tonight because they were just front and center of yeah. uh, of key incidents, particularly last night in qualifying when we saw what happened between Mazepin and uh, and Mick. And um, during and Q1. Connor,
0: just wrapping up on teams. Uh, mm. Aston Martin a very disappointing weekend finishing yeah. in 12th and 13th, 13th uh that there's there's real questions about that team really isn't it because it's like they've clearly given up on 2021 we know that but yeah. it's it's not a good look for them to really struggle to show any form of performance when oh. it was only 12 months ago they were the pink Mercedes
1: yeah exactly and i'm just thinking to myself where was that performance that they had when they did so well at baku and then they did so well at hungary before they got disqualified for the fuel issues um they've just really fallen away in the last couple of races so yeah you're not wrong i think they've definitely given up on the 2021 car because well the, the, they obviously have suffered this year because of the low rake rules in terms of the aerodynamics but I think they're now putting all their big eggs in the basket for 2022. And uh, I, I just wonder, you know, how much they can get out of this car now, if they're going to get any more points, because they've been really good in the Constructors' Championship in, in this middle part of the season. But I think they're now really going to fall away in the remaining races. Did you catch Otmar
2: and, um, and Nico's interview at the start?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I did.
2: Before and it was they were talking about last, uh, was it last week? With uh no no qualifying. Oh. Yeah, with uh the hasses getting mm. in the way. Yes. And then he was and then Omar was going, Oh I blame it all on the Hass so that Nico just couldn't help himself when he was basically he pretty much said you had a shit strategy or everyone else got caught up in traffic. Yeah, and he, he,
0: he said you could have put yourself yeah. in cleaner air. I mean, it's as simple as right. he was right. He was also right just to move on and, and ask him a different oh, question. No, Cause it. he'd already answered it. I but loved it. I'll tell you, can we just talk about Nico for a minute? Um, because I, I thought he sucked a year or two ago when he first started coming into, into punditry. Um, I don't think sky still know where he's best utilized. But I can tell you when he was in the commentary box for, I think, one of the practice sessions on Friday, or, or um, yeah, Friday, um, I'm thinking, oh, he's, oh, buddy Nico's there. But Jackson said to me, he goes, oh, no, I like Nico. And then I actually sat yeah, and like kind, of, kind of listened in the commentary
1: box, his technical wherewithal. Is superior to anyone. I think, I think it was one of the races this year that he's done um, in place of Martin. He did a really good job. Yeah. I can't remember which race it was, but he was very, very good. And I've got to say tonight, Jensen was just as good in that pundit role tonight, filled, you know, that normally is done by Martin. So I could really go
0: above Jensen and yeah, um, I, I'd still take Martin nearly any day. But of course, Nico out on the grid tonight was a bit embarrassing. Like he was poor bloke. I mean, he he's a formula one driver and they've just said, mate, you're on for, for 10 <laughs> minutes. Just talk. Now, you know, when you're in the media for your career, that's, that's a pretty, you should be able to do that. But th- this is a guy who's still very new to this. You know that he struggled. He's trying to get buddy um, thumbs up and fist pumps from people. He's talking about pissing himself a Williams. It was
1: just,
2: I think it was yeah. all very weird. I think he needed to find whoever hooked Ted up. Before yes. the start
1: of the race, yeah. <laughs> Ted was very
0: much on a Ted's, high tonight. Ted had uh, some... Ted had looked through. He he'd done more than just look through some
2: windows in Amsterdam. Oh, he sure. <laughs> he found a couple of special smarties there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's um. That's one. Epic, yeah, has anyone uh,
1: has, has has anyone checked his eyes? Are they glassy yet? Yeah,
0: uh, I just. I'm, how big are his pupils? Um. Just on the drivers in the field, though. Um. I think that the three that stood out to me as being worthy of conversation, uh, and we've talked about it already briefly, is Sonoda, Perez, and Latifi, because of their distance to their teammates. Now, Perez made up any, uh, I guess, um, issues in quality because he did finish in the points despite starting in the pit lane. So, I don't think Christian would be disappointed by Perez's performance in the race. He'd just be disappointed by the qualifying. Latifi, though, still, like, nowhere near Russell. Uh, Sonoda nowhere near Gasly. Honestly, it really, it doesn't feel like we churn through drivers enough at this point. But then we also complain about churning through drivers too fast. So I don't know whether, you know, someone like Sonoda is really going to come into his own in this sport or whether we just need to find someone better for the seat, Connor.
1: But I think it's going to be interesting too with Latifi. It's like... Where's his future? Because obviously yeah. there's now talk about Albon returning to Formula One, um, either for Williams or for Alfa Romeo. And then you've got Nick De Vries, who's the current Formula E world champion. He's been slated for a Williams seat as well. And he's part of the Mercedes program also. So, um, Can we just talk th- about that, Harry? I just think that Toto Wolff
0: wields too much power in Formula One. I mean, oh, just, he's yeah. the manager of multiple drivers. He's he, he seems to be able to assert himself over um uh customer teams. You know, if Albon is not allowed to drive for uh, Williams because he still has some sort of, you know, Red Bull logo on his suit or something, because Toto says no, that's an outrageous overreach of power, Harry.
2: There's the only play, like I agree with you, there, but there is only one place I can see the rationale behind it, which is the engine side of things. With the uh, mm. you know with Albon being a Red Bull driver, feeding whatever he can find back potentially um, about that Mercedes power unit back to to Red Bull. And I've seen people say stuff like you know Red Bull have poached a lot of Mercedes you know engineers and things like that, which would have much more technical knowledge. But those guys are on such long gardening leave that. That, that knowledge is going to be irrelevant. So I can yeah. see Toto's point of view there, but as a whole, you know, he's he's got his finger in the pie in Aston Martin, obviously Mercedes. I mean how hard
0: it is for Albo, right. um, Albon to get out of his Red Bull contract then because – what value is being on the Red Bull books if
2: there's at least well, see, one they've, year? They've already got a development team. <laughs>
1: like yeah. Exactly. There's, I don't think there's any point for Auburn to stay on with Red Bull because, I mean, he's been churned through that system, even though he's still part of the Red Bull family in the DTM. He, he's basically nowhere right now. And I think if he got out of it, it might be able to give him – that freedom to actually be a proper driver without having that pressure of being in that Red Bull system but and he'd it? be able to perform properly,
2: But well, one with, hopes. Even with this Williams seat, it's like the the pressure seems to be coming from, from the tie ownership inside of Red Bull, wanting to get him back in there. It's not, and then Red Bull needing to offer some kind of incentive to Williams potentially. So if he didn't have that Red Red Bull connection, would that Williams seat even be on offer for yeah, him? Probably
0: fair. not, probably yeah. not. There's a lot of people that could, could be in that place. Um, I, you know, personally, I think if Albon's going to come back, he should just be back in the, uh, in the feeder team in the same way that Gasly went backwards. Why not? You know, if, if if you want him in the sport that badly, then, then do that. Um, But let's, before we talk uh, championship table, let's, let's, let's address the elephant in the, in the paddock, which is the driver market. Um, We've pretty much touched on it and, and know full well what's going on, but you know, the idea that George hasn't still been announced as the driver for Mercedes next year is, is laughable, but clearly that'll happen next week. We knew Raikkonen was was going to retire. That was rumoured. It's, it's already been announced, though. It ha- was announced you know, essentially two weeks before um, it needed to be uh, or, or was rumoured to be. So George goes, George is clearly going to Mercedes. I think we'll all agree on that. Bottas is going to go to Alpha and take Kimi's seat. We can agree on that. So people talk about there being... One seat at Williams.
1: I don't understand why we're not talking about two seats at Williams. Because why the hell would you keep Latifi? Oh, they won't keep him. I I, I would not be surprised in the size because it's interesting when you read the reports from Williams in recent times. They're now in such a good position financially that they're now saying that they no longer need to rely on yeah. paid drivers to be sufficient. So Latifi is probably a irrelevant. A now.
2: Equity firm, like they're they're you know private equity firms, not exactly known for uh, their big budget spending for the sake of it, if they can save a couple of dollars, like if they're doing got the spreadsheet there in terms of the value of having a better second driver versus what Latifi can bring financially. Like they could still that paid driver could still be appealing to them.
0: Yeah, but here's the funny thing, and this may be completely naive, but if I'm the team boss at Williams with, you know, cap venture capitalists in my ear about saving money. And I'm sitting there going, right, so, and I don't know, what, what's Latifi bringing in? You know, a few million, uh, and he's therefore zero on the balance sheet in terms of uh, cost. Um, you go, you know what, let's put our backing behind, let's let's make sponsors find the extra, you know, one million. So a third of what he was bringing in, let's say, and let's spend just a small amount. What? Why does a Formula One driver need to earn 10 million, 5 million, even 2 million? Just I mean, find yeah. someone. Who's if, desperately passionate about getting into the sport and get them in at the ground floor with huge bonuses for points and the like? I don't understand why. What there's so many drivers, there's got to be one that'll do it.
2: Well, it seems to be like that that rookie or that that rookie contract. I guess seems to be about seven hundred grand a year. Mm. Going off, you know, what's what seems to be the market at the moment. So yeah, you, what you bring in a Piastri or something like that on the cheap, good incentives, and, exactly,
1: yeah. Mm. But the it, problem is, if if they decide to go with Albon and also Nick De Vries, and Alfa Romeo decides to keep Giovinazzi next year, if Piastri wins Formula Two, he's going to be left in a position where he has won the the the, the you know the categories in F and F two, but has no Formula One seat. And where does he go next? And if, oh, that, look, I
0: agree with that. I think that's that's a real pain in the ass. But that's a him it, problem. It, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's a problem for the sport because why on earth is Giovanazzi still in the sport? He's he's not proven he can, you know, do anything great. Like, the thing is, I think Russell, the, the, my, my argument seems stupid because you're looking for, for results. Russell is that. Russell has clearly shown that he's able to turn that Williams into something on Saturdays. Now, Sundays don't work out that well for him broadly, but he's clearly shown something. No other of these, you know, no-name drivers have shown something. So, show them the door, Harry. That just seems simple to me.
2: It's all politics, though, right? Like, that's the thing. It's, you know, otherwise, it's the same reason why you, you don't have a, a Mazepin on the grid or anything like that. Either. Yeah. either it's money and politics, and unfortunately, that's a sport. It's not always the most deserving or the fastest driver driver wins. Otherwise, I think mm. the field could look dramatically different. And that's the lead,
0: you know. How is there not that same problem in IndyCar? I mean, I'm sure it does exist, but
2: the budgets are so much smaller. I think it's like it's around. You only need about 10 million a year to play. Like that's compared to what 150 million. Say that million. like
0: you're contemplating it next year.
2: Oh, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how much we're pulling in from from KO, isn't
0: it? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's 20, but we you know, we got to got to pay costs. Yeah, of course. So the IndyCar team is it's a consideration. Yeah, even, uh, even Indie Light would be all right.
2: Didn't mean to uh, rhyme there. It, <laughs> oh, it is that time of the day. Oh, um,
0: look, it, it's going to be fascinating because I would assume that we're going to get a drive, the driver announcement in the next seven days. It makes perfect sense. I mm-hmm. think it'll happen um, on Tuesday or Wednesday so that it happens ahead of the Thursday so they can nail all that main interview stuff. They can do a lot of sit-downs. You've got to think of this as a media planning thing. You've got to have all those sit-down interviews in the can um, so that'll happen on the Thursday ahead of all, all the weekend coverage. So that, that's the way it seems for me.
1: It, it, it's very interesting looking at the socials this week. Valtteri Bottas, um, in between the Belgian and Dutch Grand Prix, was given a Mercedes-AMG GT Black Series. Yeah. Now, this could mean either one of two ways. They, we, they, I they thought pulled, we
2: debunked this one.
1: Yeah, we might have debunked it. But a lot of people are thinking, oh, was, you know, I think it's more of a case of here's a car – you know, time you know, it's time your time at Mercedes is done, time to go away. So you're still running no. with that.
0: Harry's debunking of it was that he's uh yeah, he was was, a Project One owner and therefore he gets that car. Anyone who a, anyone who's yeah, on the list of that car addition. gets that. Yeah. yeah. I, don't
2: so, know. I yeah, think I think they're not his, selling that car though.
0: Here's what I think. I think the fact that he put in a fastest lap without being you know, wanting to do a fastest lap was told by James Allison to drop off midway through his fastest lap is evidence that they ha- think they've got a loose cannon. But his performance in the post-race interviews was completely on the team line. Nope, I didn't go for it. Uh, it was a fast tyres, but Lewis got that. Um, if he was really disgruntled, he would be saying shit, but he didn't need to, he didn't want to. He's uh, at peace, I guess, in some way, with the fact that he's mm. he's got his decision made for next year. He, he, tw- he posted on Instagram a photo of a piece of paper and a pen which indicates a contract. You know, there's so many things about it. He's driving for Alpha next year. That's life. He's probably come to terms with it. And you know what? He's probably heard from Kimmy that life's good when you don't have all <laughs> the bullshit politics of the front of the grid. That's what I reckon, Harry.
2: Oh, good on him. If he does like i I you know, disappointed obviously for him that he he never got a chance to win a world championship or or I mean he kinda had some chances to compete, but he was Lewis is a generational talent and he was always gonna be the championship winner between the two of them, but yeah, if he can if Alpha Romeo gets some nice improvements next year with the with the new kit and can yeah. fight for some you know back of the top ten, i think I think he would enjoy life a lot more absolutely, yeah. and we've lost by as well,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Traditions, <laughs> Connor. The uh, the tables as they stand following uh, an actual race this weekend. Um, yes. What have we got constructor wise? Because um, it's actually a, a really tight race for the constructors up top, yeah. uh, just as it
1: is in the uh, in the drivers. Which one do you want first, drivers or constructors? Constructors, right. mate. We'll go with the constructors first. Three forty four and a half Mercedes. Three thirty two and a half Red Bull. Ferrari have catapulted themselves into third place in the Constructors' Championship. And that's that so, great
0: result today. That just shows how important it is to have two drivers in close quarters, you know, in those points up high.
1: Yeah, 181.5 points. and our lead by 11.5 an points over Ms. McLaren, who only got that single point, as I mentioned before. Alpine are now in fifth on 90 points. They've catapulted themselves ahead of AlphaTauri on 84. Aston Martin, 53 on in seventh place. Then Williams in eighth on 20 points, and of course Alpha May running out the field with just those mega three points in nine. But you know, so, Harry, I
0: think what's interesting about that, we talked about this uh last week and the week before. Um, it's just so clear now. Um, you know, first and second is is a is a battle, third mm-hmm. and fourth is a battle, fifth and sixth is a battle, probably seventh. I mean I don't know whether Aston Martin have got the wherewithal to even jump up one, but it's actually you could nearly bank right now um the the the, the, the cash in uh, in in next year's budget for those teams.
2: Yeah. And, you know, they're all preparing for it anyway. Yeah. Um
1: so. standings, uh Connor. Yep, yeah, change of championship lead. So it was three points, the difference between Lewis and Max. It's now the same amount of points, but now in the favour of Max over Lewis. So 224.5 points for Max over Lewis on 221.5. Valtteri still in third on 123 points. Lando Norris in fourth on 114. Sergio in fifth on 108. Charles Leclerc now leading the Ferrari battle in sixth on 92 uh, leading by three and a half points over Carlos Sainz, set it's Pierre Gasly on 66, Daniel Ricciardo dropping to ninth on 56, and Fernando Alonso on 46 in tenth position.
0: That's a fun one to watch, Harry, isn't it? The the Ferrari one because like if you're Carlos, you'd really love to be ahead of Charles, and that, like he's 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 in the race for that, isn't he?
2: I think he is. I also think that if like Leclerc's had a couple of unlucky moments and things that have happened to him, and if they didn't happen, I think he would be well ahead. I think he's. Carlos is doing well, but I think Charles is definitely the fastest driver at this stage. So I would be very surprised if Carlos managed to end up ahead.
1: All right, Connor, what's coming up, mate? Because uh, we're back again next week, aren't we? We're back again next week for the third of the triple header and it's going to be the Italian Grand Prix and guess what we've got the sprint format once again so we've oh, got I forgot the about that race. completely yeah oh, wow. so so next friday night we've got the qualifying session for the sprint so the traditional qualifying format q1 q2 q3 then saturday night from 2am in the morning we've got no. the sprint race and then um, as you know, the spread race is at twelve thirty. I'm sorry. Then the race is at eleven o'clock next Sunday night. So uh, yeah, going to be fun. Going to be a lot of fun. I I I think actually
0: I'm I'm okay with that at this track, but we're still going to have the rubbish of qualifying mm. on a, on the Friday night where they all back up and you know stuff mm. up qualifying. With, well, know, qualifying's
1: at two, qualifying's at two o'clock uh, mm. early Saturday yeah. night. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm not staying up for that one. No,
1: no. Oh, no. there it is. You're out.
2: I'm out. I'm tapp- tapping out. That Friday night, I am asleep. <laughs>
1: I'm Whoa. tapping out too. I'm tapping out too. I'll catch up on Way the Way past
2: my bedtime.
1: Lightweights, all of you.
2: I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, just don't, don't leave out the part where you'll probably have a, a six-hour old man nap in the afternoon to make up for it.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean what else have we gotta do? We're in lockdown. That's true. What else have we got to
2: do? I don't know, ride electric scooters at the local tennis court. Hey, that's a good idea.
0: It's a netball court, by the netball way. What about someone on TikTok thought that I was um that I own that tennis court?
2: <laughs> oh, you missed a mr bigwig today show, of course.
0: It's like it's like um, you know, uh, People are going, oh, you you spoil your kids. I'm like, that was the whole point of the, the video. Thanks very much.
1: <laughs> you literally... that... Hey, you've been and you've that... been promoting those little scooters that you've been talking on your main podcast for a while, and you love them. I know Mate, you do. I just got another one as well, so we're taking oh. that out tomorrow.
0: We've now got a scooter for everyone in the family. <laughs> <laughs> just play your cards right, boys. By the end of the end of the year, you'll be able to take one home. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> Xiaomi's going to be the new podcast sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah this uh, thanks to the good people at Segway 9bot. Um yeah, anyway, uh we'll, we'll be back next week. I'll watch qualifying on our behalf. Um I don't know what that'll be. Yeah, take for one, one
1: for the team for once, please. Um
0: because, you know, I'm not going to we're not going to talk about it, but we'll be back after the uh after the Italian Grand Prix at Monza next week, boys. Uh we'll talk
1: then, boys. Yeah, we're going to go to bed. See you then. So <laughs> <See> yeah. <laughs> you idiot. Yeah, oh, know. <laughs>